You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. While you were skipping stones, building forts, and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Me Growing Up Broadway with me, Mark Tuminelli, and episode 75. We made it to 75 of these things. My guest today began her career playing the title role in a New England summer stock production of Annie, and then went on to make her Broadway debut in the original cast of Into the Woods. She is known to audiences for playing the role of Tia opposite John Candy in the John Hughes hit film Uncle Buck. Rowena Morgan opposite Richard Dreyfuss in Mr. Holland's Opus, and Louisa in the film adaptation of The Fantastics. More recently, she appeared in the Warner Brothers film Malignant and in Paramount's monster hit movie Top Gun Maverick. On the small screen, she played Kim Warner in the long-running CBS sitcom Yes, Dear and as Nurse Diane on Mad About You. She's appeared on nearly every TV show you have ever heard of. She has recorded multiple albums across all digital platforms and is bringing her all-new solo show to the Lori Beachman Theater this January. Please welcome Jean Louisa Kelly. Happy New Year! You legitimately have grown up kind of on stage performing. I have watched you on TV and in movies like my whole life. You are are the realest of deals. But take me back to this Annie production that seems to have changed your life and the course of everything that's happened after it. Okay. Well, listen, first of all, let me just say thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm I'm so excited to be here. Your podcast is amazing. And I just, I was familiarizing myself with it. And and the one that I tuned into was Andrea McArdle. Oh, well, that's, that's the queen. We got to talk Icon. to Andrea. Icon. Icon. Yes. Dancing around my living room, listening to the record. Um, yeah, the rec- you know, the red record. <laughs> oh my God. It was amazing. And I wanted to be her. And I will say that, yes, that so that first um, that Annie it was at Theater by the Sea in Matunic, Rhode Island. And that was my first big break. I had done community theater. I'm from small town, New England, with a great um, there's a lot of great theater around there. I took dance lessons and voice lessons and I was in the school play. That's my first real gig was second grade school play. Okay. I said, must be Santa. The Christmas show. Great. Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that's how I began. And um, my family moved me from Massachusetts. We, we all basically kind of relocated for that run of that show. And um, then I ended up doing it again the following summer uh, in at Candlewood Playhouse in Connecticut, which no longer exists, sadly. Sorry. But um <laughs> Yeah. What was the question? What- the question was, <laughs> so you're doing these things. So obviously your parents see that you're super talented. Like you're obviously on the road. Were they trying to look for an agent for you? Did you already have one? How did we okay. get from this cute Annie production to Into the Woods, the original Broadway cast? Well, I will say that when that is delineated in my in my show, which is kind of, it's, an, it's a Ooh. biographical uh, you know, journey. I mean, it's way condensed, but uh, y- you know, if you want to see my show, you'll get to hear it in- through song. But um, basically, the way the way it went down was, I I did these shows when I was a, a child actress, 
And um, I had I went into oh, so my mom entered me in a talent competition called Talent America. And there were, um, you know, my mom was kind of a stage mom. All right. It's she, okay. You know, like in a good way. Uh, I definitely would not be here without that. And and they were both very supportive. I, musical parents. My father um, plays the piano. My mom is a, a piano teacher. Um, and I, uh, so I did, I, my mom entered me in this talent competition. I went and I sang a song and I, I won the the regionals and the, the finals were in New York city. So I went to New York city and I was 14 at this point. I had done Annie a couple of times. I had done, uh, you know, a couple of shows in Boston and, um, I came in second for, and I sang a Barbara Streisand medley and I'm trying not to do the dialogue for my show. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like off. I'm so used yes. to seeing. But um, basically, I sang this Barbara Streisand medley, and the judges of the competition were agents and casting directors and managers. And so I, I had, a, you know, I had an agent when I was 14 years old. And then, like not too long after that, I got the audition for End of the Woods, which brought me down to New York City, auditioned, and soon, you know, the, my sophomore year of high school, I was doing Into the Woods on Broadway. Oh God, that's crazy. So did you go to school in the city or were they homeschooling you for high school? No, I went to the professional children's school. Great. And I was there with Jerry O'Connell and Tempest Bledsoe. And um, it was a pretty cool, it was pretty cool experience. There were a lot of dancers there. And so I would go, I would go to school, basically Wednesday through Friday and I would, you know, leave early Wednesday, do the matinee. Then I would go home back to Massachusetts. Oftentimes Sunday night after the show, I take the train or the bus home. And then I would take the train or the bus back to Manhattan on Tuesday. So I would miss like Monday and Tuesday for school. This is wild. All right. Talk to me about auditioning for Into the Woods, which must've felt like a big deal. Like this new Sondheim musical, they're they're looking for young people. Uh, did you feel like, oh, this is mine to get? Tell me what was going on when you first heard about Into the Woods. Well, I was a Sondheim fan. I was currently doing uh, Frederica in A Little Night Music at the Public Theater in Boston. As Danielle had done, Danielle Furland, who played Little Red, That's right. she had done it at City Opera. She was like so in the world because of that. Keep going. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I was a huge Sondheim fan. My mom loved Stephen Sondheim. We used to have like um, cassette tapes of his shows playing in the car. Um, it's part of like, it, I don't know. I feel like it's part of my DNA now. Yeah. Um, so. And certainly I, you understand it a lot more now than you could have been. For sure. Yes. For sure. Oh my gosh. Um, thinking about the music and the lyrics of Into the Woods as an adult. Oh my God, it's so deep. There's so many layers. It's amazing. Yes. Well, that's why everyone wants to do it. It's like, there's so much to uncover every night. You know, if you're, just, sure. listen, if you're just listening in the right way. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I, I went down, I did the audition and then they brought me back and um, I can't remember if it, I went twice but I ended up going to Paul Ford's apartment oh, where he taught me. Yes, he uh, played the piano for the show and um, numerous other shows. Yeah. And he taught me, um, mother said straight ahead, not to delay or be misled. And I ended up, you know, doing that. And um, so I sang, uh, I ended up being cast as 
little red, uh, no, as Snow White, um, you know, walk on every night. I just say, excuse me. But uh, so I had to get, you know, in makeup and wardrobe every night. But um, I I was understudy for Little Red Riding Hood and Rapunzel. So, um, and I, you know, I got to be buddies with Danielle and we had a good time together and she's like, so cool. <laughs> she's the greatest. <laughs> yes. Um, well, speaking of this, you know, role, like obviously you get to originate a role in a, in a Sondheim musical and you're on, you know, you get to do all of the things and have opening night, but the role that you were playing did just come out at, you know, the last five mm-hmm. minutes of the show. What yeah. goes on backstage all night with, a you know, an older teenager who's kind of just waiting to get step foot on stage. What were you, what were you ladies doing back there all night? Well, I, so uh, to be honest with you, I did homework. I mean, I was a sophomore in high school, so I had to do my homework. Um, Oftentimes, and by the way, I'm up on the third or the fourth floor with the understudies. Yeah. And Philip Hoffman and Chuck Wagner were up there too, um, you know, Rapunzel's Prince and the steward. Um, And, you know, a reverse order in terms of who they were. But they let me use their dressing room to exercise because I was such a little perfectionist workaholic at age 15. I would go in there and I'd do like, you know, Jane Fonda, whatever, aerobics and sit-ups and stuff like that to, to stay in shape. And I would do that first act, then I'd rinse off, put on my hair, makeup, wig cap, all that stuff, and get ready for second act. Because I really didn't have to be ready until yeah. the very end of the show. Um, so I did that, and I would sit in the room with the with Terry Burrell and Carolyn Marlowe. There were other um, understudies, and Jeff Blumenkrantz yes, was understudy. Yeah. And um, we would sit in there and and chat and talk. And, um, and I, you know, I was like a kid who was listening to the grownups, you know, what a Um, remarkable education to have, you know, to at 15 and 16, to be around these people who are so unbelievably talented and understand this business so much. I'm sure that has been an incredible foundation of like a way to start this career. For sure. I mean, I definitely, um, it was fun. It was fun to hang out with them. And uh, I was, you know, living an experience that, you know, few people get at that age. Um, and uh, and it, was kind of, it was a good group of people. Yeah. I, the, the, um, that whole, the whole cast, including understudies um, and Maureen Davis also, she was in the same boat. She was a, a few years older than me, but she played Sleeping Beauty and I shared a dressing room with her. And so we would hang out too. But that whole cast all the way down was, it was just good people. Yeah. Uh, I think that Bernadette Peters, you know, set the tone. Yeah. She, she, you know, she's just awesome. (laughs) Danielle used to say that every once in a while she would have Danielle come into her dressing room and they would sit for like a half hour and just like catch up about boys and things. And she's like, that was the greatest experience I've ever could have had, you know, to be in that room with her at that age, you know? Well, you know, she, oh my God, she's such a class act. She did her show up in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, which is where I, I was grew up outside Worcester. And my father is still up there. And my father went to see her show. Um, you know, this is like 20 years later. And he sent a note backstage to say hello to her and, you know, that he was my dad. 
and she brought him backstage and she said, how is she, you know, like, how cool is that? That's who It's really cool. Did you get to go on a lot for Little Red? I did go on. I went on. Well, so the first. (laughs) Tell us about the first time. The first time I, and this is in my show too. The first time I went on. So uh, Danielle and I used to go. We used to, um, you know, the curtain would come down and she and I would race up the stairs, like take them two at a time to get to the wig room, take off our wigs and, you know, and like we would just literally be sprinting. And one night she fell and she fell on her hip and it was really bad. I mean, cement steps. She went down hard. And I mean, I don't know if they had to take her out of there, but she could she really couldn't even walk. And I'm sitting there on the steps and Robert Westenberg comes up to me. He's like looking at me, like nodding, like, you better be huh. ready. <laughs> 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 and uh, the next day I, I was on, I went on yeah. for the matinee and like my mother was like driving down from Massachusetts and, you know, that was my big break. So I went on for a week while she recovered, you know, she really was in, in tough shape and then, you know, everybody goes on vacation at some point. So she went on vacation for a week. And then I went on um, for uh, Pamela Winslow, who played Rapunzel. And so I went on for her for a week. Oh, and then she went on for Kim Crosby because she understudied Kim, who played Cinderella. Cinderella. So then I went on so for it's, her. You know, the, the, the never-ending move up or yep. switch out. How yep. thrilling. Do you have any memories of working with Stephen Sondheim or... Is there a moment that comes to mind for you? I mean, I don't have like a great Sondheim story of like, you know, the two of us connecting, but about, I don't know, maybe it was like seven or eight years ago, there was, we did a concert in somebody's backyard in Bel Air to celebrate him. And it was, you know, it was out in California and I got to do Amy you know, pardon me, is everybody there? Because if everybody's there, when did they go for? And he was there. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing Amy from company cool. yeah. for Stephen Sondheim. So that's that unbelievable. So obviously the next big thing after Into the Woods was Uncle Buck. And mm-hmm. did you book that out of New York or did you have to go to LA for that? No, that, um, that I took the, tr- actually my family moved right after, <laughs> after I finished Into the Woods, I went back to Massachusetts and then my family moved to Maryland, Eastern Shore, Maryland. And I took the train up to New York City to audition for Uncle Buck um, twice because I went and uh, then I went home and then I, I came back and did like a screen test with John Candy. Um, so cool. Yeah, it was, pre- it was a pretty wild ride. I got to tell you, it's like you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. Life is full of surprises. It's like a box of chocolates. chocolates. It's true. <laughs> I mean, because you would not, you were going from this, you know, kind of understudying and standing by and, and into the woods. You don't think the next thing is going to be this huge movie. No, 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 no. And John Hughes, I mean, he's a big deal. Big yeah. deal for my generation, for everybody, but for my generation in particular, like we were crazy for him with, yeah. you know, the breakfast club and pretty in pink and 16 candles. It was like, I can't, I can't believe this. It's, but you know, on the other hand, when you're young, it's, it's, a li- it goes down a little bit easier because you're just you're like, Oh, this is next. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I knew that, but you, it's also, it's hard to maintain a state of awe mm-hmm. all the time. Like you got to just do what you're there to do. And so I did my job and, um, and now, you know, I see how crazy that is. And like, I've, I mean, I recently had a, an, another experience where I was participated in a, in a very, very, you know, when I did Top Gun, like that a Maverick, like I had a greater awareness at that when I was shooting that of like how like one in a million it is to be able to be a part of history in that way. Yeah. So, but when I was a kid, I, I got it, but I think you definitely get it on a deeper level when you're an adult because, you know, you've lived a little and you see how, <laughs> how few and far between these things can be. Yeah. Could you feel like when you were shooting Uncle Buck, the movie was going to do really well and that people would love it? Oh, I had no idea. Okay. No, no, <laughs> no idea. And, you know, also all this time, it's like, I'm sure that you've experienced this from talking to some of your other, um, you know, guests that when you're a kid, you're also doing your schoolwork mm-hmm. and there's all of this other stuff. You're, you're growing up. Yeah. You're trying to grow up, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're a child or a teenager, you know, teenagers are just children in bigger bodies, you yeah. know, as are adults. adults yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, I was developing. And so I've got, you know, how am I navigating? I also had moved to a new state. I was in my fourth high school. I had gone to three high schools before that. And I had spent maybe two or two and a half months in that high school before taking off and going to Chicago to shoot this movie. So there was a lot to metabolize. And um, I don't know, I guess I wasn't thinking about how big the movie was going to be. It was more like, what am I doing next? You know? Okay. How was the dynamic? You had uh, Gabby Hoffman and Macaulay Culkin playing your siblings. And that was like the beginning of their careers. Um, I know. Was there, was there like a little family dynamic between the three of you, you being slightly older and knowing a little bit more than them? I mean, I don't know if I did know more than them, to be (laughs) honest with you. Like, I think that they probably, it was my first movie. So we were, they may have been more experienced than I was, Um, but there was love for sure. You know, like I, those kids were just great and so talented and, you know, there definitely was an, an element of deliciousness there. And, um, yeah, I mean, they were, they were in school too, you know, it's just children in a, a very grown up business. Um, but it was, you know, there was definitely chemistry there. Do you remember the first time you saw the movie completed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that was like to sort yeah, of I mean, see yourself in a big movie with John Candy, who's like the biggest comedic star of that time. I went to, I don't think there was a premiere for that movie. Wow. I went to, the, I mean, if there was, I, I wasn't there. Um, but I went to the movie theater in, you know, Eastern Maryland. Wow. <laughs> Get some popcorn. <laughs> I think it must've come out. It must have come out my senior year of high school. I mean, it's just nuts. I was getting ready to go to college. It, I mean, I've had, I've had like these parallel lives running through throughout. Like, and that's that's been a dynamic um, just throughout my life. That it's I've had like this this element of like 
working and being involved in theater and film and television and having this career, but I've also, and, and actually in that, while doing that movie, it became very clear to me that although I loved doing that, I really wanted the normal life too. Okay. Like, I was like, I don't want to lose that. Like I want normal life too. like, because it's great, but um, I felt I felt a bit detached from the normal, you know, being a teenager and the stuff. Having friends, do doing normal having things. Friends, yeah. You know, teenager time, that's when you, you like go off and you, you bond with your peer group, like developmentally. I can see with my own kids. I didn't really know that that's just a natural, like you leave your parents and you bond with your friends. Like yeah. no matter how great your parents are. And my parents were great. They were great. And we were so close. Um, so anyway, it did become clear to me that I wanted both. Uh, you know, I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, baby. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, that uh, I, I did have both going on, and that's why I went to. I wanted to go to liberal arts college. I went. You went to, to Columbia, Columbia, right? Went to Columbia. Yeah. Majored in English. Did some plays. I actually did the Fantastics. I know it's coming up that we were going to talk yeah. about you playing Louisa at in college and then also getting to do the movie, which is like bananas to me to anyone. I know. And you have that kind of full circle moment. We're not at the Fantastics that we can't All right. talk about. Okay. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. So we have to talk about Mr. Holland's Opus because it's like another enormous movie of this time. And this time you kind of get to do it all because you get to mix this, that you're a real screen actress, but also that you're a gorgeous singer and you have this musical theater gift in you. Um, did you feel like when that came to you, like, this is definitely mine. Like, it just feels like the perfect marriage of who you are and what you do. It was like a gift from the heavens. And I'll tell you that um, I was not the original Rowena. Oh, Somebody really? else. Uh, it was Mia Kirshner. Mia Kirshner oh. was the original. I, I never even auditioned for the original. And something happened. There was some sort of conflict with her schedule. And so I got um, an audition one day. It was like next day audition to go in do these scenes and sing before there was tapes before everybody had to tape everything for yes. How novel and sing someone to watch over me, which I, you know, that's my wheelhouse. I, I know the standards. And so I went in and I sang it. And the next thing I know, I'm flying out to Portland, Oregon to 
um, you know, meet Richard Dreyfus. So I went out there and I met him and we read, you know, we did the scene in his trailer mm-hmm. uh, along with a few other actresses. And, um, and I went out there and it was the first time that I had ever, people were like, have you had Starbucks coffee? And I was like, no, what's Starbucks coffee? Well, you oh. have to have it. You have to try it. <laughs> so I went and I, I got, went to the Starbucks and it felt a little strong, but um, I was like, whatever. And I was like, you know, I wanted to buy, there was this really pretty mug that said Starbucks on it. And I was like, you know what? If I get the part and I come back, I'll buy the mug. Five ninety nine. Oh my God. So, if but not, that was, it, you know, when you're 22. Yeah. And uh, you did got you a budget. Buy, I mean, did you buy the mug? Because I came you, back and I bought the mug. You booked the show. You um, got to do someone uh, to watch over me, which you also performed on Letterman, right? Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, someone on Letterman um, had seen the movie and asked, they asked that I would come on. I have to tell you, I've never, I don't know if I've ever been more terrified <laughs> than I was doing that rendition. And for a long time, I didn't really even like looking at it because I was like, oh, you can see it. You can see it. Like the whole time I'm like, when's it going to be done? When's it going to be done? Which I don't think you can tell, but it was, it felt very, very high pressure. And um, actually the following summer, I was asked to sing it with the Boston Pops uh, in, uh, on the, ha- the half shell yeah. in, in Boston. And um, I, uh, I was like, no, 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 I'm not letting this happen again where I'm terrified. So I was like, Gene, you're just going to pretend to yourself that you're not nervous. And that's what I did. I was like, I'm not nervous. I'm just pretending. And I did it. It was fine. No problem. But, um, but yeah, two huge, amazing moments. Yeah. Um, When you watch that movie now, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's really held up and it's, it's quite a beautiful film. It must feel so cool to be part of it. Um, thank you. Yeah. I love, I love that movie and I loved, I loved being it. I felt good in it. Um, you know, now there's a whole layer of, um, there's a layer of awareness about the dynamic of like a 40 something with a high school student that, um, I was interviewed on another podcast and somebody was bringing that up and I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Like it doesn't feel super creepy with you and him. Um, I mean, good. what was your experience with Richard Dreyfus? Oh, I loved Richard. Oh, good. I loved Richard. He was That's, awesome. There was some, no, go ahead. Yeah. There was, I mean, it didn't feel creepy, yeah. you know, it just felt like love, you know, like that's kind of what I, and plus I can only, I could, and I was young too, but like, I can only look at it from my perspective and my character's perspective. And, um, you know, she had a crush and, um, that's, you know, that's kind of what I was playing. I don't yeah. know. It's hard to say from, from his perspective, but there's that sweet scene with you. Like, I think you're in a diner and you sort of like, all I want to do is sing. And it's, yeah. it's just like, so, uh, I teach. And so I, I work with a lot of young people who have that same, you know, thing. It's just like, they don't know who to tell it to. And so it's, yeah. it, there's some very, something very amazing about that movie. And I'm sure it, it has followed you all these years. Well, I do think that, and you must, you must experience this when you're teaching. Like, I think that when you see somebody who is, you know, has something that they love like that, and it's like the whole world is open to them. 
it's so hope giving, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's where it all, that's where it all comes from. It's before like you get cynical and before you like realize, you know, people are going to let you down and life is going to be challenging. And like, it's not all one thing, but like that hope must be like addictive for you to like experience that with, with young kids. I would get such a charge out of that. It is like, it's very renewing, you know, that constantly there's like, oh, this person sort of needs to know what to do next, or just needs Uh an outlet to figure it out, which is, you know, a kind of fascinating thing to watch happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm sure for, you know, even for you to see yourself have your dreams constantly met or changed in new ways Mm -hmm. um, and kind of getting back into that fantastic thing to do, to play this role in college, do the the film version of the longest running, you know, American musical um, Mm -hmm. and a role that just feels like every girl wants to try and to get to do the movie. Was that a kind of incredible experience? Well, I do credit Lenny Leibowitz, my buddy from college, who directed. Great. Shout out to Lenny. (laughs) He directed me in that show and he really helped me find a lot of that, which which I was able to bring in to that audition. And I remember when I read for um, Michael Ritchie, he just said, go to the head of the class which is so cool, like to get immediate gratification like that, that doesn't happen. So um, yeah, I was pretty aware that that was a huge deal. And to be with Tom and Harvey and Joel Gray. Joel Gray played your dad, right? Yes. Yes. It's also like very pretty. The the circus element of the Mm -hmm. movie is, is so pretty. And, you know, there are a lot of people that that is their only connection to fantastic. So they didn't see it the next generation, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be in a musical movie uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't ever really go away. I mean, these theater performances, they happen, they're like dynamite, they explode, they're over, but you know, forever you'll be the Louisa in the fantastics movie. That's I know it's totally awesome. It's really very cool. <laughs> How have your kids been about watching their mom, like in these kind of historic movies and TV shows and, and things like that? Well, my son watched Uncle Buck when he was home from school sick in fourth grade one day. And I think that he saw it. He he saw Mr. Holland's opus like last year one time. Maybe he watched it with his girlfriend. I don't my daughter. I don't think she's seen any of it like they I'm just mom. You're just like a normal mom. I am just mom now. I did my show, my live show last summer here in Connecticut. And um, my son came and watched that. That was pretty fun for him, I think. My daughter was away at camp, so she hasn't seen She'll see it in New York. She'll see it in New York. But, um, you know, I'm kids. I don't think kids really want you to. They don't, they don't care, you know? And it was it's actually a weird dynamic. Like my mom's a movie star. I know. I mean, maybe some kids are more into it. I think probably it happens more when they're older, you know, Mm -hmm. but I heard Jason Bateman talking about that once on a podcast and it made me happy (laughs) that like (laughs) his daughter hadn't seen like anything that he'd done. And just recently she discovered, um, you know, the, the show, the show. Family ties. No, no, no. With Laura. Oh, Ozark. Yeah. Ozark. Greatest, and, uh, she greatest was, like, series in years. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But like before that, she hadn't, you know, she hadn't seen anything. They just don't care, you know. Yeah. It's like when what's for dinner, you know? Like, can I have a ride? Oh, I need money. I need 
tight. I mean, but know. certainly when you were in Top Gun last year, they had to have been like, okay, this is a very big moment. Yeah, they knew. They knew that that was cool. Oh, we did go as a family to see Malignant yeah. in the movie theater uh, when it came out a couple years ago. And that was fun because my son was terrified. And I'm not a, and he's the older one. I'm not like a horror movie person. I don't, um, I don't really like horror movies. I'm fine life terrifying enough, but sitting next to him, and, you know, I knew I, I know how it all works. So I'm not scared at all, but he was like covering his eyes and that was really, really fun. Um, but yeah, no, they don't, whatever. They don't care. I mean, you've worked so consistently. You've been on so many shows, uh, CSI, Scream Queens, Law and Order, True Crime, which I was obsessed with because I love the Menendez brothers. Not in that way. I just like, <laughs> what happened here? Okay. The Fosters. And of course you were, you know, you did 122 episodes of Yes, Dear on CBS, which is like, you know, a little bit of a gift for any actor to get to sit in a show for six mm, years. Yeah. Tell us about kind of switching gears from doing, you know, guest spots and doing movies to doing a series for so long. Well, so the way that went down was we were living in the city. So my husband, and I got married, we're living in New York. And then I booked my first show, um, which was called Cold Feet. And it was shooting in Vancouver. So we sold our apart. We sold our apartment. So dumb. And we <laughs> moved and he like quit his job. He was a lawyer. And he just wanted to get the hell out of New York anyway. So we went to Vancouver and I did this show and it was so much fun. It was so great. And then one day they said, you're canceled. You know, don't come to work tomorrow. And so we drove down to L.A. and settled in L.A. He got a job fairly quickly doing like business affairs uh, at a music website, uh, Internet company. And I ended up getting a deal with CBS and yes, dear was one of the shows that year in um, that, that was a possibility for me. And so I did that pilot and then, you know, it got picked up and it kept going. They put us on next to everyone. Everybody loves everybody Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond, a good spot to be in. Yeah, You're very famous great. to my mother. I will tell you that. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, you're like always on my team. Like always, I'm like, here we go. Okay, keep Yay. going. Yeah. So that was a really, um, it was a total gift and we settled in, in LA and I had always been like, I'm a New Yorker. I'm never moving to LA. And my husband was always like, you know, if, if cold feet doesn't work out, we'll just go to LA. So I was like, okay. So then we're there and you know, I loved, I loved it. Like we, we settled in and I had a lot of friends there um, and I just, I did that show. I had both my kids. I had my son, uh, I guess I had my son two years in, and then I was pregnant with my daughter when the show was canceled, uh, in year six, season six. That's like, it's kind of the best job ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really good. It was totally doable. In fact, I had my son <laughs> literally went to work five days later I had hired, um, so the wardrobe uh, um, supervisor, uh, Robin Kennedy, um, was kind enough to refer me to her prior nanny for her daughter. And so okay. I got Lucy and Lucy was just wonderful. And she came with me to work and Sean was nursing and I would like go out. I was unbelievable. I was big. I was big. 
And um, you can see my weight go up and down in that show because it's kind of hard to hide it when you're five foot two. Yes. But um, anyway, Sean was there with me uh, a lot. And um, and then I got pregnant with my daughter. And and right when my uh, right when the show was canceled, I, I guess I was like I had a few more months and then Josie was born. Really? And then you keep doing a ton of guest work and you're on all these shows. Talk to me about the albums. You have all these albums on Spotify. They're so good. Um, I listened to For My Folks twice through yesterday. And it's like, it's beautiful. The arrangements are beautiful. You sound incredible. And I'm sure that's all part of this Lord Beachman show that's happening on the 21st. But I just want to talk to you a little bit about your songwriting and also your love of the standards and sort of where these two worlds meet for you. Well, that, that for my folks was Todd Schroeder. He did all those arrangements. He's amazing. Um, and he was the, you know, musical director of that album. But basically what happened is I, I had pulled back quite a bit from show business, uh, once I had my daughter, cause it's a lot different having one than having two. two. And also my husband's career started to just sort of like take off. And, um, so I did, you know, I did some movies, I did some guest spots, but really I found that, um, I don't know. I started, I started hearing music and, and I did, I, (laughs) I also got involved in the kids school. There was like a fundraiser that I um, introduced to, because, you know, in in LA public schools, they have difficulty getting funding for the arts. And so um, I started this fundraiser at, at West Hollywood, Hollywood elementary called benefit uh, with friends. And so um, we would, I just, you know, there were a few of us there who had friends in the business and we would invite people to come and sing a song. And I wrote a song called Worry About Yourself, which was from my son's perspective. And um, that's on the Color of Your Heart album, because once I wrote that song, I was like, oh, there's a lot of songs. You know, I started kept hearing them kids for for kids. And so it was a children's album. And, you know, I was really influenced by Free to Be. You and me, that wonderful album. So that was my first album. Heather Reed uh, from The Murmurs um, was is a friend of of ours, and she produced that album. And so that was a a very cool experience. And then once I was done with the children's album, you know, there had been a few songs that kind of came to me that didn't belong on a children's album. Yeah. (laughs) So. So after that one was out, I was like, ah, let me see where this leads. And I had just great musicians. And so I don't know, I just was hearing stuff. And so I would record it into my phone and then I would go, you know, meet with Peter Adams who did keyboards and we would plunk it out. And, and then these musicians would, you know, we'd get together and we'd record them. And so I did Willing uh, which is an EP and of original music and then relax. Nothing is under control, <laughs> which makes which laugh is true. Hard. Yes. That one too. Um, and it worked really well for me because I could, you know, I had this creative outlet that was totally under my control. Like I don't have to wait for somebody to offer me a job. I can schedule it, you know, and I was very on the scene for my kids, you know, like I, I was picking them up from school. I, I still had a nanny who participated but, um, you know, once they were in elementary school, it was more like babysitters, you know, yeah. I was like mom. So, um, 
And do then, other moms figure out who you are and then like get weird? Uh, <laughs> no, not really in LA. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah, well, like in LA, it's everybody's like, in show business. Everybody, like you're not special. <laughs> and it also, it's like, well, are you a room parent? No. So, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you have to like volunteer a little bit. So I, you know, I, I stayed involved, but, um, you know, I'm not like a room. I wasn't ever a room parent. God bless those women. Those are amazing people. <laughs> So on January 21st of this year, um, of this new year that we're in at 930, you're doing your solo show at the Lori Beachman, which is a great venue right on 42nd Street. Tell Mm -hmm. us about this show, what we can expect. I know we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but it just seems so exciting. And hearing your beautiful voice like live, I'm sure is a thrill for you. I know it's hard for you to say that, but I know it's true. (laughs) Oh, that's so kind of you. I mean, really, um, this show grew out of the pandemic. Um, I was really, like so many things people are, know. you know, things have come to light that people haven't done in so long. And it's kind of brought out some amazing things like I'm sure the show. Well, and, and it's funny because actually we moved, so we moved back East four years ago and, um, it grew out of the pandemic, but also, um, I reunited with an old friend of mine, old director, Richard Sabellico, who directed me in, Annie, that first summer in at Theater by the Sea, at Theater by the Sea, and he has a class, a you know, an audition um, class in the city, and I, I, I reunited with him because I just wanted to like you know keep my juices flowing and sing a little, and and um, he was always saying to me, "Do a show, do a show, do a show." So, but and I also have been you know, encourage, I have many, many very good supportive friends. And I have a mentor, Beth Grant, who played, um, she was in Yes, Dear, too. She was recurring on Yes, Dear. She we played. know Beth Grant. She's a legend. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> she's, she's an old, she's an old friend of mine. And she's, uh, she was on Yes, Dear with me, but she's, um she's like a mentor, you know, yeah. and she's been after me to, to make, do a show for a long time, too. So I don't know, I started like, I started with Annie and I started, you know, writing. Some, it just flowed. And every, um, so it's, I'm telling my story. It's basically an hour, an hour and change of me, you know, maybe an hour or five minutes of me kind of walking the audience through my journey. Um, and there's, it's musical theater, you know, it's like a little bit of dialogue, a song, a little bit of song. A little, and, um, and it, it was an interesting way to sort of process. It's interesting how you, I don't know. I feel like also it's my very people, cathartic to like get that out, you know, when there's a is. story you want to share or a way you can connect that to a song that maybe you didn't sing. There is just such a release of something you're holding in uh, that comes out in, with, a, with a certain cabaret performer. Not everyone can tap in there, but it seems like you can, especially since you've been writing all these other things. Well, it definitely, um, it was a, it was a way to process it and, uh, and, and new, and new awareness has come. I think that for me having the, having kids, you know, I just, it's been like head down full steam ahead for so long between like career and then like what's next. And then, you know, raising kids and you're just like, you know, this, this, this. And with this, I really had to look at it. And my kids are, my son's in college now. He's a freshman in college and my daughter's a junior in high school. And 
there's a little bit of breathing room for me now in a way that there wasn't even two years ago. I was driving. Um, my daughter can drive now. You know, she's crazy. Look out. Um, <laughs> but I, I was able to sort of sit back and be like, oh, this is how this went down. And this is how this felt. And, and so it is a sharing. And even now I did it this summer, but even now, like I'm, I started, you know, running through the show again with Paul Bogave, who's amazing. Who's your musical director. He's my musical director and he lives in the next town over. That makes and, it easy. <laughs> yeah. He, I actually met Paul through a mutual friend, Tracy Roston, who played Annie when I did Annie at Candlewood Playhouse okay. years ago. And um, she in- introduced me to Paul a long time ago, but um I'm so, oh my God, I'm so fortunate to to be doing this with him. And he and I started kind of running through the show again, uh, just to get ready for this. It's even like I, it's even evolving from this summer. And I would imagine, you know, if I keep doing it, I mean, it's a one night only, it's one night only. For now. For now, for now, we'll see. You know, I really wanted to do it because my dad couldn't come this summer because uh-huh. he got COVID. So he was like, when are you going to do it in New York? When are you going to do it in New York? And um, so that's really, that was my big motivator to <laughs> see, it keeps coming back to family for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it's like a, not a bad quality. That's good. You know, a lot of actors could care less about anything that's happening. Uh-huh. And it just I seems guess so. like you're very so. open to all the things that it's huge. What yeah. kind of, tell us about some of the songs that we might hear uh, okay. on January 21st at 9.30 PM. All right. So you do hear someone to watch over me as I mean, it's your signature song, signature song. Let's call it that. Um, You do hear a little bit of the fantastics. Great. You do hear, uh, you do hear some company. Great. Um, You hear a little bit of gypsy. You're going to hear a little bit of next to normal. All right. You're going to hear. What else are you going to hear? Do you do well, some other time? Because that on your album is spectacular. Thank you. So if you're not doing it, sing it as your encore. Okay. I'm not, n- there isn't anything on that album that's in the show. Okay. That's a standards album. Although actually I did soon. It's going to rain in on that album. And there's a different version of soon. It's going to rain. That's in the show. Great. We'll take but- it. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, this is a musical theater-based show. And let's see what else. Oh, there's a little bit of Smash. All right. Um, what else? Oh, I think you're, you're, giving us, you're giving us some good, some good tunes. How exciting. Um, <laughs> I think it'll be such a thrill for people to connect with you in that way and uh, for you to sort of, you know, enter the cabaret world in New York City because it, it'll be a thrill to have you. To welcome you aboard. For better or worse. You know what I mean? Like, this is me. And we'll see if people like it. They like it. If they don't, my dad will have a great evening. Your dad's going to love it. I think everyone's going to love it. At the (laughs) Lori Beachman. Um, And you can go to theloribeachman.com, I'm sure, to get tickets for that. Right? Mm -hmm. Great. Um, We have to do quick fire questions, and then I have to let you go and do 3,000 other things. All right. Don't overthink these things. Okay. We're going to go with our... First thought, all right? What was your first audition song? My first audition song. It was probably someone uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Right. Do you remember the first Broadway show you saw? Mm, I think it might have been Sunday in the Park with George. 
Great. Good, good start. Um, what was the last Broadway show you saw? Oh, uh, I was just there. <gasps> Music Man. Oh, it's so good. Um, go to album for a car trip. Ooh, um, well, gosh, I'm a Spotify girl. And I as we all are. <laughs> yeah, they know me. And so I've got like generally like it's a 70s vibe going on in the car, but it's very eclectic. Okay. Um, were you at a new kids on the block fan before the fantastics? No, but my friend Andrea Davitt was, and she was like, oh, I can't believe you're going to be working with Joey McIntyre. She was my roommate. It's a very um, big deal. Yeah, it was a huge <laughs> deal, but oh my God, Joey, so adorable. So adorable. Okay. Pancakes or waffles? Um, God, neither, but whatever. Uh, um, I guess I'm going to say <laughs> you don't have to pick anything. I'm not going to do that <laughs> just till my blood sugar. It's oh like, gonna God, kill me. she's so healthy. <laughs> um, tell us one thing about John Candy. Um, he was just very like, he was play playful, you know, like he had, a, I, I would say that there's like a, a good chunk of that movie. That's just him improvising the whole thing on the, where he's talking about on the phone with the, with my mom. And he's like, um, you know, like I've been eating a lot of cheese and, you know, where's the plunger. And, you know, like that, like that was him. (laughs) John Hughes didn't come up with that. Did they ask you to come back to do the into the woods live capture, but you were booked? No, (gasps) no. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm available (laughs) available. in the future. All right. Well, you can go into this current Broadway. Well, they're going on tour, but maybe you can join them. Um, have you seen this Into the Woods? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. You should get your eyes on it. It's it's okay. well done and okay. it'll feel nostalgic. Um, who okay. was your childhood crush? Ooh, I mean, any number, but probably Tom Cruise was there. He oh was God. definitely amongst them. Like, who wouldn't? How weird to then be in a movie with him. I know. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? Patrick Swayze. Yes. Everything. Yeah. Um, tell us one thing about doing Mad About You. Oh, um, Mad About You. Funny, funny people. Paul Reiser, such a sweetheart. Right. Uh, had such a good time. And I love doing that voice. Um, hi. Like, that's how I would say hi <laughs> every time. <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity to reprise that anywhere. So we're doing it here on the little me podcast. Uh Um, Okay. What's the most memorable performance you've ever seen? Oh my gosh. Most memorable performance. Um, I don't know if there's the most memorable, but I loved watching Hugh and Sutton this past week. Right. But um, I also, you know, I watched Maria Friedman do a concert in Stamford uh, this year because my daughter's um, school uh, was involved with that. She does, my daughter does some, some theater in her school. And um, I went to see Maria Friedman and I was like, Jesus, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. She's, it was so honest and so just in the moment. And then like, there's these amazing notes, but like, I was like, she doesn't care if she uses them or not. They're just there. That was really amazing for me. What is your Starbucks order? Speaking of that, you're an original adapter of Starbucks. Okay, well, it's black, small black, small dark black. roast. Got it. Um, what show would you like to do on Broadway? 
um, Sunday in the Park with George, but I'm too old. No, you look amazing. <laughs> I can't play that. I'm no dot. Um, although maybe, I don't know. I would love, I've always wanted to do that one. Well, you could do some song in a, in a show at some point in your, yeah, yeah, in your yeah. next show. Um, favorite song that you're singing in your upcoming show? Oh, um, oh my God. A change in me. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, our last question, you made it. What advice do you have for young performers who are kind of where you were when you were starting? Okay. Young performers. I would say educate yourself. Like I didn't know this until I was well into adulthood. Um, know if you are, you know, if you're in the professional realm and even not just like look shit up, like if no, know like who you're getting in front of, no, um, uh, history of the play, like more information is the antidote to fear. Okay. And I never paid attention to like who, like I was going on on auditions with huge casting directors and I didn't know who I was. I mean, my husband who I met when I was 22 years old, like he would look stuff up. Now I know that it really matters. Like so much of it is just, it's just information. It's good to avail yourself, but you know what? If they hear that, they're not going to do it. They'll do the, whatever the opposite is. <laughs> They're um, not going to do that. <laughs> they don't need but they, to. They're but they should come see your show at the Lori Beachman and learn oh. all of it. Um, tell people where they can follow you and find out what's going on with Jean Louisa Kelly. Oh, thank you. Um, I have a website, jeanlouisakelly.com. And I am on Facebook. I've been, I'm not great. I am not good at this, but I do post periodically and uh, Instagram as well. Great. Um, so I'm getting better at that. Um, it's such a delight to meet you. You are such a you dream. Too. I'm so excited for your show. I'm so excited for all the things that are, I'm sure, happening because you never make it very far without being in a movie or on Thank television. No, even you. if you try, you can't stop. Uh-huh. Some people are born for it. Um, Thank you so much. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.